Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know what to title this today, so I called it Faith's Journey. I think it'll bless you. It blessed me. And I don't often teach on faith, and it might be a little different than you're used to hearing it. But I think God has given us something today that's going to sustain us throughout this week and the weeks to come. Amen? Senses relate us to the visible, material, time-space world. Our senses, our five senses. But faith relates us to the invisible, eternal world. Faith is toward God and God's word. Faith apprehends that the creative power behind the entire universe is the word of God that's behind all creation. We must understand the difference between faith and hope and be able to distinguish between the two. What God promised to hope is different than what he's promised to faith. Bible hope is a steady expectation of good from God. It's not just wishful thinking. And the Bible tells us that there are three abiding realities. There's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But faith works by love. Amen? Let's get into the word. Before we go any further, Hosea 4.6, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. How many of you know that he's not talking about the Lakers? <laughs> he's not talking about politics. He's not talking about all the little trivial things that we think are so important that we have all of this data in our head, all of this meaningless information that does nothing for us except puff us up that we know so much. He's talking about a knowledge of him. He got upset with the children of Israel because he said they didn't know me and they didn't know my ways. When you don't know God and you don't know his ways, your life becomes a shamble. Amen? We're destroyed for a lack of knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and this is very important. It says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of mere men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe it. The things that you have to know about this verse is, first of all, you hear the word. So the word that you hear spoken here in this church, in the Connection Church, not just from me, but from Pastor Bobby, from Pastor Juan, from Brother Lynn, from Brother Jim. Everyone who comes forward in this church is anointed to give a word. Amen? We don't just let anybody get behind the pulpit. Amen? So the word which you hear from us, accept it. The first thing you got to do, the first principle to growing in the things of God and growing in the knowledge of God is accept the word. Amen? Not as the word of men, but as what it really is. It's the word of God. Amen? That's why I use so many scriptures, because I want you to know that I'm not talking out of my head that it's the Bible. Amen? It's the word of God. And this is the good news. It works in you who believe. If you believe the word, it'll work in you. You know the 12-step, they borrowed that from the Bible. They say it works if you work it, but it won't if you don't. It's the same with the Bible. It works if you work it, and it won't if you don't. 
It's for that reason why you may ask the question, well, how is it that this person doesn't go to church and they don't believe in God and they're able to do this and accomplish this and accomplish that? They're working the principles. They're not giving God the glory for it. That's a whole other story. But they're working the principles of the Bible because the rain rains and the sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. And if you work the principles of the Bible, it's going to work for you. Amen? But for us, it's at work within us when we believe it. Let's continue. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There's so many things highlighted in yellow here and underlined that uh, I had to take notes and I think I need to stick to my notes today a little more than I usually do because God has a lot of things he wanted to say that he gave me while I was uh, putting this together, while he was pouring it out into my heart. So as you see, it says, have faith in God. What it's really saying is have faith in God and not man. Not in your ability. Not in other people. Have faith in God. Faith is to God. Faith is not in your faith. Amen? The faith movement made a mistake with that. They started having faith in their faith. Telling people they didn't have enough faith. That's why they're sick. It's wrong. Faith is toward God, not toward yourself. Amen? And then it says, whoever says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, I'm a whoever. Come on, repeat after me. I am a whoever. I am a whoever. Thank you, Jesus. It says, whoever says and does not doubt in his heart. That means you don't say one thing with your mouth and, and you, you don't believe it in your heart. Amen? You say one thing with your mouth, but God knows your heart. So if your heart's not lining up with what you say, you got to get together with God. I say, God changed my heart. Amen? Because what I'm saying is not what I really believe in my heart. I'm just saying it. I'm just going through the motions. If, now, if you don't doubt in your heart, you're going to have whatever you say. I, I believe the things I say. Come on, say, I believe the things I say. Wait a minute. At this point, I want you to stop and ask yourself, what have I been saying? Because you believe what you say. That's why you say it. We got to be careful what we say. Amen? The Bible says, I will have what I say. So I got to be careful with what I say. Amen? Have I been saying God's promises? Or have I been saying the devil's lies? You have to make a choice. What are you going to say out of your mouth? Amen? What do you believe in your heart? If you've been saying God's promises, go on to say, I'm still a whoever. And I will have whatever I say. But if you've been saying the devil's lies, I want you to repent right now. Amen. If you've been saying I'm sick, I'm never going to make it. I'm no good. Nothing I do ever works out. Repent right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And, and I like what he says here. He says he will have whatever he says. And then on verse 24, he said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever things, believe that you receive them. So those things are healing, money, restored marriages, whatever things you ask for. Whatever things I ask for when I pray, I believe it, not when I get it, but when I pray it. While I'm praying it, I believe I have it. You don't have to have it in your hand. It doesn't have to be right in front of you. You have to believe you have it when you pray it. Amen? And the Bible says, then you will have it. So I have them right now. Say, I have it right now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not hoping. I'm faithing. Amen? Hope is in the future. Faith is now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 14, 28. Peter said to him, you remember Jesus was walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And everybody in the boat was scared. They saw Jesus coming. And Peter, I love Peter, you know that, right? Because <laughs> he's brash and bold. Peter said to them, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got up out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, this passage is one of the most well-preached passages of the gospel because it represents an impossibility. Some of the things in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, why did God put that in here? And this one is one of those things. He put this in here because it represents an impossibility. And I believe the Holy Spirit included this passage in the Bible so that we would see that anything is possible with God. So we would never see anything as impossible for God. Amen? How could anyone walk on the water? But Peter in his boldness said, If it's you, Lord, command me and tell me and let me hear from you. What you need to know today is that if you hear from Jesus, then step out. If Jesus, to tell, if Jesus tells you to step out, step out. Amen? And you'll be able to do the impossible. Don't listen to your family. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to the experts on YouTube. Because a lot of them are phony anyway. <laughs> if Jesus tells you to do something and it seems impossible, but if he told you to do it, step out. Amen? When we face impossible circumstances, we have to say to Jesus, Lord, show me, tell me, let me hear from you. If it's you, I'm going to step out. But never step out into an impossible circumstance without hearing from God. I got a story about that. One of my favorite authors, he's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, young age, child. He's a Korean pastor. At one time, he had the largest church in the world. Started with just a bike and a desk. That was his first prayer. Father, I need a bike and I need a desk. And from that, he built a ministry of 40,000 people. Amen. He had a conference one time, and um, it was a powerful conference. Thousands of people were there, and after the conference, people were going home. And among the attendees in this conference were these two young girls. And um, it was a storm, 
and they had to cross a river to get to the other side. But the river was raging out of control. So nobody wanted to cross the river. This is not going to go the way you think. Amen. Because there's a principle involved here. So the girls were very excited. They were like, well, we want to go home. And we just left this powerful conference. Our faith is high. And we believe what we would what we learned in that conference. So we believe we're gonna cross that river. Let everybody else stay there. We're gonna cross it. They stepped into the water. They didn't make it. That's I said it wasn't gonna end well. The point of the story is to say that you know that if Jesus didn't tell you to step into that, don't do it. Amen. You don't step into impossible situations unless God says so. You can't go on mental. You have to you have to be Holy Spirit led. So never, ever step out into the impossible. But seeing the wind in verse 30, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. This is what happens in our life. Jesus calls us to do something and then things become challenging. Things seem like we're not going to make it and we get distracted. We take our eyes off of Jesus. We look at the wind. We look at the waves. We look at the distractions and then we sink. But the good news is that immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, Peter could have stayed walking on the water, but he began to doubt. We have to bind every spirit of doubt and unbelief. Amen? When we're stepping out. But the good news is that Jesus will pick you up right away. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Just get back in the boat with Jesus. Don't be discouraged. Don't be scared to try it again. Step out again. But this time, the second time, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Jesus will lift you up. Just get back in the boat. Romans 12, 3. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given faith to everyone. You got to know that today. Like I said earlier, it rains rains and the sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. Everyone has faith. Even your friends that don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus. They operate in faith. But we can call that type of faith minor faith. In other words, it's a general type of faith. The kind of faith all people operate in to function in everyday life. See, minor faith is basic faith we need to function, like making plans for the future. You know that uh, tomorrow doesn't exist. I love to talk to people who say they only believe what they see. I said, well, you believe in tomorrow, right? Because you got a calendar right there. I see you got a bunch of appointments for next week and next month. They say, yeah, well, of course. I said, well, that doesn't exist. You made plans for something you can't see because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Amen? So you're operating in faith. You get on a freeway, you're operating in faith. Amen? <laughs> when you sit in the chair, I don't think any of you did a, a scientific analysis stress test on the chair. Is this chair going to hold me? How many pounds? None of you did that, did you? You, you got cars out there, right? You believe those cars are going to be out there when you go out there. Amen? That's called minor faith. Everybody has that. What we're going to talk about today is Bible faith. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. To be in the, to be in the will of God... It requires that we have another type of faith. 
Bible faith, the type of faith Peter talked about here. 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Christ. See, you might say, Pastor, wait a minute, it says right there he's a servant and an apostle, but I'm not an apostle. I haven't been called in the ministry. Well, that's not really true, because if you're saved today, you're called into the ministry of reconciliation. You can check that out for yourself in 2 Corinthians 5.11. But look what he says. This is Peter. He's an apostle. He says, we have a faith of equal standing with all of them. Amen? The same faith the apostles had, you have. I have. We all have. The moment you get saved, God has given you Bible faith. Amen? So we have to remember that we have faith equal to the apostles. Don't say, well, they're apostles. They could do this and they could do that. Don't say, well, pastor, he's a pastor. Don't say, Pastor Bobby, he's a pastor. No, it's no difference in our faith. We all have the same faith. Amen. It's just, are you exercising your faith? Are you stepping out in it? I want to uh, uh, mention some of the other translations of an equal faith. It says, a faith of equal standing. That's the English standard version. And then in the New King James, it says, like precious faith. And then in the uh, NIV and the Berean Study Bible, it says, a faith as precious as ours. Amen? So the next thing you need to see here, that our faith is given to us by the righteousness of God through Jesus. It's not based on how good you are, but it's based on how good God is. Amen? So this is a very important principle to understand that you have an equal standing with the apostles in the faith that you have. But the question is, are you walking in it? Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is now. I said that earlier. You're going to probably hear it a few times today. It's when you see now faith in the beginning of this verse, he's not saying, he's not saying, now faith, he's saying, now faith, right now. You have to believe now. What you're hoping for, believe that you have it now. Amen? And you can't let nothing say, you're not healed now. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what the doctor said. I'm healed now, in Jesus' name. That thing I'm believing for, I have it now, in Jesus' name. Amen? It's now faith. Faith is now, it's present tense. Hope is in the future. Faith is believing what you can't see. Your faith is the evidence that what you can't see is real. God wouldn't give you the faith for something that's not real. Amen? He's showing you that your marriage is going to be restored. That's real. Amen? He's showing it to you, and that's where your faith is. My marriage is healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Faith and hope are related. But they're also different. All genuine hopes are based on faith. But hope not based on faith is just wishful thinking. You see people like that. They're hoping and wishing. But it's not rooted in faith. Amen? That's called religious faith. Well, if the Lord said... No, it's not... Well, if the Lord said... Well, if God... Well, it's not... You should know the will of God. And if what you're faithing for is in the will of God, then you have it. Amen? It's not a hope. 
It's not a Bible hope unless it's based in faith. Faith is in the present, it's now, and hope is in the future. If hope is not grounded in true Bible faith, it's just wishing. And uh, one of my teachers used to say, it's a hoping and a wishing. I'm just a hoping and a wishing. <laughs> Don't hope in a wishing. Faith, amen, believe it. <laughs> now look at this. Romans 10.10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.8, let us who are of the day, that's us, be sober. That's emotionally sober. Amen? Stable. Not angry. Not bitter. Not hatred and unforgiveness. Sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. See, you see right here, this is armor. God's word is your armor. Faith is in the heart. It's protected by a breastplate. Heart faith produces righteousness. You see that in Romans 10, 10. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So the breastplate protects your heart. See, mental ascent is like you believe with your mind, but not with your heart. Amen? So Bible faith has to be rooted in your heart. Faith in the mind will not produce the results of faith in the heart. Faith in the mind won't get you saved. So be careful about making the decision for Christ without really believing in your heart. Because the gospel will always prick your heart. It will always prick your heart. And a lot of people got into a fad there for a minute. Make a decision for Christ. And they come to the altar and they're just going through the motions. But it's not in their heart. Amen? It's with the heart one believes. Hope is in your mind. So the helmet of salvation guards your mind from doubt and disbelief. That's why you hear me pray that often. We bind every spirit of doubt fear, and unbelief, because it's in your mind. Fear is worry. Worry is a, a fear of the future. Amen? Fear of something that didn't even happen yet. So faith is now, hope is in the future. Bear with me as we go through this. Uh, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, believing results in faithfulness. If I believe something, I'm going to live for it. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to trust in it. And what I believe will be the source of everything I do. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Like this verse says. Because faith, and many of you have been here for a while and heard me say this, faith is a means of exchange in the kingdom. Just as money is a means of exchange in the world. Without money, it's impossible to please Mr. Walmart or Mr. Costco. You go in there talking about faith, and they look at you like, where's your money? <laughs> Amen? In the kingdom, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's the means of exchange. Oftentimes, when you hear Jesus speak of uh, uh, mammon or money, he's, he's using it in a context that's a means of exchange. Your faith is the means of exchange to God, and it's impossible to please Him without it. So, looking at this verse, we can see number one, you must believe God exists. There's a little more to it than that, though. 
Number two, you must believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's diligence? It's careful and persistent work or effort applied to prayer, reading and hearing the word. How many of you are pursuing the word that way? Carefully and persistent work or effort applied to prayer, applied to reading and hearing the word. Number three, in order to believe God will reward you, you have to believe his intentions toward you are good. So many of us think that God is sitting, waiting for a reason to punish us. If we slip up, if we mess up, we think God is taking down notes and he's going to punish us at any moment. And when something bad happens, oh man, he's getting me back for that. You have to believe he's a rewarder. Amen? Not a punisher. Number four, you have to believe God loves you, that he's not angry at you. Number five, that God is for you and not against you, and that he wants you to succeed. Number six, that God wants the best for you, and he has exceeding and abundantly beyond what you can even think, dream, or imagine. What you think, dream, and imagine is a limitation. Some of you are thinking, well, maybe he can restore my marriage, but he can do more than just restore it. He can make it like you're on a honeymoon. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Number seven, you must have a good opinion about God because he is his word. Let me explain that, how that works. I have a good opinion about Pastor Bobby. You hear me mention his name a lot. Amen? And I know, same with little Larry. Same with Juan. Amen? Brother Bud, I know if I call them up and I say, I need some help, and they say, okay, Pastor, I'm going to meet you here at such and such a time. Say I need $100. Well, let's make it $500. Make, let's make it 1000 You guys, I'm, I might call you up on this one day. <laughs> they say, well, Pastor, okay, I'll meet, meet me over here at the church at 11.15 a.m. I'm going to be here at 11 o'clock because I know they're men of their word. Amen? God is his word. You got to have that same opinion about God. If God makes you a promise, you got to be able to count on it like you can count on people that you know that are dependable. Amen? Because God is even more dependable than they are. As much as I love them, God is more dependable than any person. Amen? So you have to know, you got to know that God has, you got to have a good opinion. That's what faith is, is having a good opinion about God, that what he says is true, and that you can count on what he says, amen? You can stake your life on what he says. I got three F's that you got to base your faith on. Fact is the word of God. It's events that have happened in human history. The second F is faith itself. That's based on the facts that you know about God. In other words, you know God did this. Even in your own life, you know God did this and he's done that and he did that. Those are facts, things that happen. It's the reason many of us stop debating people about God. Because we know what he's done for us. Amen? It's a fact. You reach a point where I don't need to try to convince you anymore. I know what he's done for me. Amen? It becomes a fact. So your faith is based on facts. And your feelings have to fall in line with your faith. 
If you're feeling something that's contrary to the fact of God in your life, then you got to discard that. Amen? If we change the order and live by feeling, we become unstable. Because my feelings change throughout the day, every day. I don't think I'm the only one. Amen? I may wake up feeling one way. Then I get to the prayer line and I feel another way. Amen? <laughs> I make me feeling fine when I leave the house and I get to the store and I feel another way because somebody did something to me in the traffic. Or somebody spoke to me the wrong way. I know you get to your job and people act a certain way. Your feelings change throughout the day. Amen? But you got to keep facts, faith, and feeling in that order. Don't ever put feeling first. Hebrews 12, 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? He's the author and he's the perfecter of our faith. So faith relates us to what Jesus has done as the author and the perfecter. As the apostle, he was sent by God to do what needed to be done to give us the basis for our faith. As a high priest, he's gone back to God and now is in the presence of God to complete the work he began as our apostle. He's the author and the perfecter. He's perfecting your faith. In order for your, your faith to be perfected, that means you're going to go through some things. Amen? If you don't go through some things, you're going to stay the same way you are. So faith relates to what Jesus has done. Hope looks forward to what Jesus will do. Jesus is the author. He laid the basis for our faith. As the perfecter, he's the one who completes what he began. As we accept Jesus as Savior, we move from minor faith that everyone has to major faith. Major faith is biblical faith. We develop faith as a child has faith and trust in their parents. That's the kind of faith we got to have in God. Amen. All of our children have faith in They know that they're going to go to the table and there's going to be food. They know that we're going to get in the car and we, they don't even worry about the gas to get to our destination. Everything is taken care of. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares on me because I care. Children cast their care on their parents. we got to cast our care on God and have faith that he's going to look out for us. Amen. As long as we acknowledge him. Let's look at what Joshua 1 says. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. <laughs> but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. And then. Say then. You will make your way prosperous. And then. You will have good success. Have I not commanded you? It's a command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen? To be courageous means not to be discouraged. Discouraged is a lack of courage. Amen? You had a relationship. It didn't work out. Or your marriage got in an argument and things looked like it wasn't going to work out. You had a big argument, a blowout. And now you're discouraged that it's going to ever work. How are we going to ever make it? How are we going to ever stay together? The devil is a lie. That's discouragement. you got to have courage. God, with God's joined together, no man can put asunder. Amen? you got to be brave. you got to be strong. you got to be courageous. And what I like about this verse, what he showed me, I believe it was last year, it's been recently, that he's not talking about battle. He's talking about being courage, have the courage to stand on the word. Amen? 
to observe the word, to do what's in the word. That means to forgive when he says forgive. Amen? That means to let go and let God. That means don't worry. Don't be anxious for nothing. All the things that Jesus told us, that's, you need courage to stand on those promises, especially in this day and time, because we want to take things in our own hand. First thing we do, go to YouTube, how to. Amen? We should go to the Bible and say, how to. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We need courage to stand on the word. Your friends are saying one thing. Your family is saying one thing. And none of it's related to the word. But we go with them instead of the word. You need courage to stand on the word. Thank you, Jesus. First John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You know, this is amazing because some versions say whoever, and I think I had it in my heart that way, whoever. But while I was putting this together, I saw that a couple of versions, specifically the King James, says whatever is born of God. It's a big deal. It's a big difference. I've always assumed that the word was whoever or, or everyone who was born of God. But I checked my lexicon and I my Strong's Concordance, and it says the word is the word uh, pas, P-A-S, which means all or everyone. So this means whatever, whatever your hopes, that means your hopes, your hopes need to be born of God. Your dreams need to be born of God. Your plans need to be born of God. Amen? Your marriage needs to be born of God. Whatever is born of God. Amen? Don't come up with some ideas or some plans that God doesn't have anything to do with it. In other words, whatever, it also means whoever is born of God. So God has given us the ability to overcome all the hatred, the violence, the division, the stress, the strife, and anxiety that belongs to the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith is what Jesus accomplished on the cross when he said it's finished. When we give our life to Jesus, we still live in the world. But even though we live in the world, we don't belong to the world. We've overcome the world. Repeat after me. My faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Therefore, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Romans 4, 17. Abraham believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are. Let's go on with this. In the 19th verse, I skipped down. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had what he had promised he was able also to perform. So not being weak in faith implies that he could have been weak but instead he was strong in faith. I believe it was Fred, Fred Price, he used to spend like a half hour on just that comment that, <laughs> that he, being weak in the faith also implies that you can be strong in faith. Amen? It's a choice, in other words. 
You can choose to be strong or you can choose to allow yourself to be weak in faith. And being strong in faith means he did not consider the circumstances. In this case, he's talking about, it says here, his own body. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. But the circumstances for us can be anything else. Your bank account, your ability, your connections. I don't know anybody in that field. I don't know anybody that works there. I don't know if I have enough money to do this or that. I don't think maybe I'm not smart enough. Don't consider the circumstances when God calls you. Amen? When God gives you a promise, don't consider the circumstances. See, he didn't stagger. He didn't waver. He never doubted or questioned God's promise. He stayed strong in faith. And that gave glory to God. So when we remain strong in faith, our faith towards God, we're giving God glory. Because you know what? Your family, your friends, people that know you, they know what you're going through. And they see that you got your head up. And they see that you're standing believing that your problems are already solved, even though they can see that it's not. In the natural, you're believing in the spiritual that it is solved. Guess what? You're giving God glory just by that. That's a ministry to somebody. Just doing that alone. Standing in faith. We stood in faith for Sister Tammy, amen, while she was in the hospital on tubes, amen, and A.V. Juan couldn't even get in to see her because she was in the COVID ward. And the doctor said she wasn't coming out of there, but the devil's alive, amen. She came up out of there, amen. They took those tubes out of her, and she's recovering. And then just a few weeks ago, the, one of the doctors said that she had cancer in her. Then she went back and found out it wasn't no cancer. Why? Because we were strong in faith. We believed the devil is alive and the word of God is true. Amen? Then she was scheduled for surgery. They canceled the surgery. And then guess what? In the midst of waiting for the next surgery date, she got off of oxygen. She's no longer on oxygen. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means God made her stronger to prepare her for the surgery. Amen? He's moving the pieces. You gotta not stagger. You gotta not waver. You gotta not doubt. You gotta not question God's promises. Amen? So he was fully persuaded. You gotta be, say today, I'm fully persuaded that what God promised, he will do. Thank you, Jesus. He was fully convinced. He had no doubt within him that God was able to perform what he promised. And what that means in a practical sense is that you have to know what God has promised you. You have to know that you know that you know the promises of God that belong to you and not to someone else, but to you. Amen? And when you know that you know that you know, God is able to perform it, and God is able, he's going to come through for you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to look at how unbelief undermines faith, and we're going to see this from the beginning of the book. Unbelief is in the beginning. Genesis 2, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now these are God's instructions. There's a few points that have to be made in this simple instruction. It was threefold. First of all, God gave them permission. The permission was that they could eat anything. Then he gave them a prohibition. Don't do this one thing. And then 
he gave them a warning. If you do this one thing, if you disobey this one thing I told you not to do, some, you're going to suffer some consequences. Amen? It's a threefold statement there. The serpent went to Eve, undermining the authority of the word. He began by questioning and sowing doubt. Never allow yourself to doubt the word of God or what God has sent to you. So, let's go and see that. Verse 3, Genesis 2, 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. I believe this is Genesis 3. Forgive me. So the serpent was more crafty. The devil is crafty. and It's no mistake that God used the form of the devil as a serpent because a snake could be right under your feet and you not know it. He could be hiding in the grass. A snake could be in your household and you don't even know it. Amen? The devil's not stupid. He's not going to come like a dragon and make himself obvious. He's going to come like a serpent so you won't even recognize him. Amen? But here's the point here. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? We cannot afford to entertain a question of God's word. Don't even entertain it. Satan will deny the authority of God's word. He said to Eve, God knows your eyes will be open. Verse 4, you will not certainly die. Now he's questioning the entire authority of God's word. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What was he doing? What was he doing? He's telling Eve that God's intent toward you is not good. God doesn't want the best from you. God's withholding something from you. If you do what I say, you're going to have more and life is going to be better because God doesn't want you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to be like him. The devil's a lie. We're created in the image and likeness of God. Amen? But God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. We're already like God. And it's the same lie going on today. Non-believers telling Christians, your eyes are closed. You need to open your eyes. You need to open your mind and let us pour some of this garbage in that we believe. Amen. <laughs> Tell them my eyes are already open. I see things the way they are. Amen. <laughs> You're blinded. The devil's blinded those who don't believe. Amen. So in entertaining Satan's question, Eve left the faith realm. This is very important. She left the realm of faith. And from that point on, her and Adam became central, material, world-oriented beings in, the in their perception of reality. They stepped out of the realm of faith into the realm of the five senses. Look at Genesis 3.6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. See, I have saw, bolded. When she saw, that's a sense. Soon as her eyes took over, she left the realm of faith because faith is not seen. Amen? Faith is believing in what you can't see. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They were out of order. The instruction was given to Adam. I can't 
spend time teaching on that. But saw, that's the eyes, good for food, that's the flesh, and desirable for gaining wisdom, that's the pride of life. Thank you, Jesus. Satan drew her out of the realm of faith into the realm of a senses. And so we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Because she saw that it's what she saw that enticed her to be independent of God. So this is why the Bible says in 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Because we these are uh, these draw us into the sense realm and draw us out of the faith realm. Because she saw she was enticed to be independent of God. Being independent of God is the basic motivation of sin, is what I'm trying to get to. Whenever the desire to achieve independence from God makes itself present and become and comes into operation, the result will be sin and rebellion against God. That's why in 1 John 2.15, I don't have up here, it says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone should love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. See, it's the exact opposite of faith. It's your senses. It's the sensual realm. And that's what pulls us off. Anything that we've done wrong in our life, and you look at it, and I guarantee you, if you look at everything, it's either your eyes, or it's your flesh, or your pride. Everything that draws us away from the will of God for our life is one of those three things. The same thing that got the devil kicked out of heaven is the same trick he used on them. Isaiah 14, 13. And this is God talking about the devil, Lucifer. This is what happened in heaven. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, this is God saying, nevertheless, you will be brought down to the grave, to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Did you notice what Satan kept saying? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, five times. Amen? And the thing that he used on Eve was to be like God. I will make myself like the most high. This is what got him kicked out of heaven. This was the, the Bible says that Satan was the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of it. These are the first lies right here. That's what got him cast out. Amen? So he got Eve on the same thing. God doesn't want you to be like him. Just keep this and you'll be like God and your eyes will be open. We got to watch out who we're listening to. Genesis 3, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In verse 11 it says, and he said, who told you you were naked? In other words, who have you been listening to? What have you been listening to? Whatever you listen to all the time, that's when you're going to develop your faith. Amen? If you listen to rap music all the time, you're going to start dressing like him and talking like him. Amen? Then you eventually start living like him. Because you hear it all the time. 
Whatever you listen to all the time, you become. Whatever you elevate, you celebrate. Amen? So you got to watch what you're listening to. You got to watch what tree you're eating from. I like that question. Who told you you were naked? Amen? Let's move on. Faith is the solution to the fall. Why? Faith brings us back to dependence upon God. When you're in faith, you have to rely on God. Amen? Faith reaffirms the goodness of God. Faith reaffirms the reliability of God's word above our senses. But here's the key. Faith, first and foremost, must be confessed. We have to confess our faith. Faith must act. Faith is an action word. You can't just say you're in faith if you're not doing anything that corresponds with what you believe. You can believe all day, but you don't know what you really believe until you act on it. Amen? Faith must be tested. Faith is the antidote or the solution to the fall of man. What was lost in the fall is recovered through faith. This is why faith is the only basis for righteous living. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Each of us in here who have received Jesus, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And we're required to live a righteous life. And faith is the requirement to live a righteous life. The results of the fall are rectified by our faith. Faith must be confessed. What we believe, we must speak. 2 Corinthians 4.13 And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. So the word confess, it means to say something out boldly or publicly, to say the same as, to agree with God. When the words of our mouth agree with the word of God and the Holy Scripture, that's the type of confession we're talking about. It's amazing how I give people their confessions of faith and they say, confess, they, they think of it in terms of the Catholic faith, where you confess your sin. But we confess our faith, amen? You confess your sins to God, yes, but we confess our faith. So that's when the words of our mouth agree with the word of God, because confession is agreement. In, in, in a negative sense, when you're in court, you're confessing your guilt, you're agreeing that you're guilty, amen? But in the positive sense, in the word of God, when God says that you're protected, when God says he's provided for all your needs, when God says you're a child of God, you're confessing that, that means you believe that, you're agreeing with the word. So believing leads to speaking, and what we believe in our heart will be expressed through our mouth. There's no way of getting away from this. What you believe in your heart will be expressed through your mouth. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when the heart is full, it overflows. When the heart is full, it overflows through the mouth in speech. The mouth can be described as the overflow valve of the heart. And what flows out of the mouth tells us what's in the heart. Oh my God. Lord, forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. You cannot have one thing in your heart and something else coming out of your mouth. Amen? Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence. From out of it flow the springs of life. Why are we told to guard our heart? Because what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. So the ultimate objective is God's love in our heart. 
Proverbs 16, 23 says, The heart of the wise man instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Faith must be confessed. Once again, Romans 10. In this verse, you're going to see that three times. Whenever the Bible says something twice in one verse, you got to pay attention. But when it says three times, that's solid. Okay? Romans 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That's the first time. Your mouth and your heart. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the second time. Your mouth and your heart. And then verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So your heart is expressed through the mouth. But what we say with the mouth also affects what's in our heart. You know that saying to learn by heart? How does that happen? You repeat something over and over again with your mouth. And eventually it resides in your heart. Like multiplication. Your time table. You say it over and over again. And eventually it winds up in your heart. What you repeat with your mouth. See it works both ways. From the heart to the mouth. From the mouth to the heart. There's a principle. If you want to get something into your heart, repeat it with your mouth. What's in your heart will naturally come out of your mouth. If you want to get God's word, come out of your mouth, put it in your heart. Amen? Whatever area of salvation we need, we have to confess what the word says about it. Confessions of faith are not based on feeling, circumstances, or intellect, but because we believe the Bible is the word of God and it's true no matter what, for that reason, we discipline our mouths. We make our mouths say what God's word says about the specific need or situation. But bringing the words of your mouth in line with the word of God isn't always easy. It's not always easy. I'm not sitting up here saying this like you can just do this. You got to work on it. Doing it takes self-discipline. But in so doing, it develops character. In other words, when guilt comes, you got to know Romans 8 says there's now no condemnation for me, Satan. I'm not receiving your guilt. When sickness comes, Matthew 8, 17, Jesus took my infirmities and he took my diseases and by his stripes I'm healed. Amen? And you learn these scriptures and you repeat them over and over and you get them in your heart. Amen? Whatever's going on in your life, find a scripture to stand on and you repeat it over and get it in your heart. And let the devil know he's got no place there. Confession should not be confused with positive thinking or mind over matter. Why? Because confession must be made based on God's word. The fulfillment of what we say doesn't depend on our own ability or even our own faith, but on God's faithfulness to his word. Because God watches over his word to perform it. Faith must be tested. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, Paul, James, and Peter, they all had some stories to tell us about testing. Amen. I'm going to try to go through them as quickly as I can. This is what Paul said about testing. Romans Five, verse 3. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. 
and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So you see that there's an ongoing process. It's a process of growth. Tribulation produces perseverance or patience or endurance, you can call them. And then perseverance and endurance produces character. And then character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because God's love has been poured in our heart. Next, James. This is what he said about testing. Consider it all joy. James 1 verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, we're growing through our testing. Amen? Faith has to be tested in order to be purified. Faith must be tested. This is what Peter said. 1 Peter 1, verse 5, who are protected by the power of God. He's talking about us. Protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He continues here in 1 Peter 1.7, so that the proof of your faith, see, faith has to be proven, being more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, our faith is being purified. We're being purified. We're being tested by the refining fire just as gold is being purified. Malachi 3.2, for who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He's purifying us and cleaning us up. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Faith must act. It must act. Faith has to act. Amen? You have to take the first step. When you take the first step, then God will show you the rest of the way. So faith must act. Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. In other words, God is saying rituals are not where it's at. Whatever ritual it is. See, in this case, circumstances is a ritual. Burning candles is a ritual. Burning incense is a ritual. Whatever rituals, religious rituals we go through, that's not what God's looking for. He's looking for you to act in faith, to step out in faith. Faith acts. James 2, he says, what does it profit, my brother? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save them? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart and be in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for their body, what does it profit? Thus, also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, it takes action. We gotta feed people on Friday. You can't say if people are hungry, we gotta help care net, uh, look after the pregnant mothers. Amen? We can't say, oh, that's the problem. We gotta do something, man, because faith acts. Thank you, Jesus. James 2 18. Someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, this principle here is theology versus real life. Some people like to talk about God. Some people like to be deep. 
and talk about the things of God. But in real life, we have to show where our faith is by what we do. Amen? We don't want to have a faith that can only be explained in, in, in church language, in theological rhetoric, and religious speech, just a bunch of talk. I'll show you my faith but what I do and the results it produces. I'll show you what I believe by the way I live, by the results my faith produces. And then there's a religious faith, a religious faith. If you believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe. That's religious faith. If you just believe God, just believing God up here is religious. Amen? It has to be acted out. Amen? See, Satan knows there's God, but he doesn't have any faith in God. Amen? You can't just say you believe in God. Even the devil believes that. They tremble at the thought of God because although they know of God, they don't obey him as God. True faith in God will lead you to obey God, and faith without obedience is self-deception. James 2 verse 20, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Then let's look at Rahab, James 2.25. Rahab, she was a harlot but she was justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. And then we see here in James 2.26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith has to act. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number one, you got to know that faith comes. It doesn't come by reading. We always tell you to read your Bible, but you got to read it out loud. And then you got to sit under teachers. You got to sit under Bible studies. And you got to hear the word. Sometimes there's, there's uh, applications where you can play the word of God. Go to sleep listening to the word. Play it throughout your house. Listen to Christian music where you can learn the word through the music. Amen? So faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing God's word spoken. Not necessarily a preacher, but just hearing it. If you're hearing the word of God, your faith is going to grow. Only the Holy Spirit is the source of faith. Faith comes from hearing God's word when it's made alive, quickened, and made personal and direct to us by the Holy Spirit. There's three stages in this process. God's word comes to us by the Holy Spirit, and we respond to it with hearing. Hearing can be described as an attitude of careful, focused attention on what the Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God. And out of that response of hearing comes faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You gave me a lot here today, Father. You put a lot on my plate, Father, to share. And I thank you, Lord, that someone heard something that blesses them, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we'll be able to come back around to this, Father, at another time and bring more clarity to what you want us to know and understand about faith. But I thank you, Lord, for these, your people, Father. They exercise their faith, Father. Getting up this morning, Father. Coming to worship you, Father. 
they exercised their faith, Father, when they got into their vehicles, Father. Got on the roadway, Father. They were trusting you, Father, that you would lead them to their destination, safe and sound, Father. That you led them here, Father, without accident, without calamity, without breakdown, without malfunction. But, Father, even before that, Father, we trusted, Father, that you would wake us up this morning to this new day that you have made. We trusted that you would keep us safe throughout the night, Father. While we slept, Father, you didn't sleep or slumber. We trust, Father, that you watch over our children and our children's children. We trust you, Father, with our marriages. You said what you joined together, let no man put asunder. We thank you, Father, in the midst of all of this economic calamity and chaos, Father. We thank you, Father, that we're not lacking any good thing, Father, that you're meeting all of our needs, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that when we're sick, Father, we thank you that we can trust you for healing us. We thank you, Father, that you can guide the doctor's hand. Father, we thank you that you know more than the doctors know. We thank you, Father. Sometimes the doctors are confounded and confused by what you do in our bodies, Father. They're confounded and confused that the x-ray said one thing the first time, but then the second time, it was something else, Father, because you intervened in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the praise. All honor and all glory and all power belongs to you today, Father. And we would ask, Father, that you would strengthen our faith, Father, that we would learn to trust in you, Father. And we thank you, Father, for giving us the, re the revelation that faith does come by hearing. So help us to hear you, Father, over and over again, Father. Help us to put your word, Father, before that TV program that we binge watch. Help us to put your word before that worldly music that we're listening to, Father. Help us to put your word, Father, before our family, before our friends, Father, who are talking worldly talk, Father. We just want to hear from you, Father. We want our faith to be strengthened. We want to grow up in the things of God. We want to acknowledge you, you, Father, because you said your people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, Father. So we want to know you, Father. We want to know your ways, Father. We want to know the promises that you made us, Father. We want to hold on to those promises. We want to repeat them, Father, and get them down in our heart, Father. So when we confront a circumstance, Father, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is the word of God. When we get into a situation or to a bind, Father, we want to first thing to come out of our mouth is your word, Father. I thank you, dear God. That our faith is growing, Father. Even now, Father, as we sit, Father, under this message today, Father, that we've heard some things that have pricked our heart, Father, and made us take it more seriously, Father. What you have for us, Father, that our faith is growing, our faith in you, Father, our faith and trust is in you, not in ourselves, not in our ability, not in other people people, Father, but in you and in your word, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus, you're the author of our faith. You designed it. You gave us the foundation and the basis of our faith, and you said you're also the perfecter of our faith. So whatever we go through, Father, we thank you that you're perfecting our faith, that we don't look to the left, that we don't look to the right, but we continue to keep our eyes fixed on you. We don't look to the wind. We don't look to the wave. We're stepping out into the impossible, Father. When people say that there is no promotion, Father, we get our promotion. When they say there's no healing available, Father, you get we get our healing. When they say we're not going to make it, Father, we make it, Father. And we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory in the name of 
Jesus and everyone that's in agreement said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not turning back. The cross is before us. The world is behind us. We're not turning back. We're looking to you, Lord. We're trusting you, Father. Father, there's some marriages in here that are on the rocks, Father. But we thank you, Father. You're bringing them to the peaceful shores. We thank you, Jesus. What seems impossible today, Father, is going to be a testimony tomorrow, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, dear God. There's some people, Lord, that have been in the hospital for quite a while, Father, and it looked like they weren't going to make it. We thank you, dear God, that what was impossible yesterday is possible today, Father. We thank you for breakthrough, Father, in each and every life in this place, that there's a divine breakthrough in store. Somebody's been waiting for a word. Somebody's been waiting for an approval. Somebody has been waiting for one sign Father that your promises are true and I thank you today is that day Father we receive our breakthrough today say I receive it God you know what I need you know what I've been praying for I receive it right now by faith that your hand is upon me I know you God I know you're never late I know you're always on time so I'm going to wait Believing for what you have in store for me. And I know I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Say, I have it. I have it. It's mine. It belongs to me. Satan, you can't take it. Get away. I bind you. I break your power. Not in my name, but in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you. I trample upon you. You have no authority in my life. My marriage is healed. My finances are healed. My body is healed. My emotions are healed. My relationships are healed. Everything concerning my life is healed. Prospering in all things, even in health, as my soul prospers. I thank you, Jesus. We're walking under an open window of heaven, and we thank you, Lord. We don't have room enough to receive what you have in store for us. I thank you, Jesus, that our better days are ahead and not behind. In the name of Jesus, I give you all the honor, all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. If you enjoyed this and other podcasts from the Connection Community Foursquare Church, be sure to listen in again and subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time a podcast is uploaded. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.